Next story for the day, we are chatting Ford and police. So uh, we haven't talked about the protests here in a little while. Um, When they first hit a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month or so ago, we did a couple stories talking about some of the business intersections. But since then, we haven't talked on it much. Uh, To some degree, the uh, time is no longer popping off on uh, mass media channels and on social media. The algorithms are not boosting uh, the protests as much. However, that doesn't mean that they have stopped. In fact, they continue to rage on, especially in some of our biggest cities across the United States. Uh, And in response to this continued pressure, we're starting to see employees within multinational corporations push back against those corporations for relationships that they have with police. We're seeing this happen with Ford employees. I wanted to highlight this uh, relationship here. And Tyler, I want to field some thoughts from you once we break it all down on what could be in store for these large corporations as social pressure continues to build around these protests. So Ford employees are putting pressure on the company and company leadership to stop the production and the sale of police vehicles. This story was uh, originally reported on by uh, Jalopnik. They got a tip, actually, from uh, Ford employees, I believe. And the internal back and forth has been confirmed in a story by The Verge. So this is very real. It is happening. Uh, Right now, it's estimated that roughly 100 employees asked the auto company in a letter to end production and sales as protests demanding police defunding and an, ed, uh, an end excuse me, to police violence and brutality continue. And this includes black workers who are part of Ford's African Ancestry Network, FAAN. Uh, that's an employee resource group. There are other employees beyond the 100 that have signed on, though it's unsure how many uh, are officially backing the letter, but it's at least 100. So police vehicles for Ford are sort of profitable, but really they're a prideful part of Ford's business. Uh, Ford makes up two-thirds of the market for making and selling law enforcement vehicles in the U.S., though it's not a big part of their revenue. It's only about $156 billion in 2019. But the production of um, of these vehicles is something that Ford uh, often touts as a... Uh, a great way to test technology, and it's seen as a community investment, right? We produce these vehicles for public safety and for our uh, uh, men and women in blue, and it is a positive because we are feeding these resources into the community. Uh, Obviously, all of the protests we've seen are arguing against the function of police as part of the community, right? So the pressure is going to be on Ford because they're Uh, reasonings in the past don't really meet the political and social moment, uh, which I think is what is motivating these responses from Ford employees in the hundreds. Uh, A major part of the displays of police violence on top of all this during these protests, so not the ones that have been protested against, so like the the murder of George Floyd uh, or Breonna Taylor, we're talking about the acts of police brutality we've seen during these protests Some of the consistent ones we've seen have actually been police cruisers hitting people, running them over, aggravating protesters with their vehicles, trying to incite, uh, you know, more anger by by 
ramming into uh, the barricades or, or slowly pushing them off, off of uh, the road by driving cars into uh, crowded areas. <clears throat> Excuse me. Many of these cars that are committing these acts of violence are Ford manufactured. Now, you know, is it Ford's fault that the police officers are using these vehicles for that? I think that is up for debate, but it is not up for debate that two thirds of uh, police vehicles are Ford manufactured and they're now being used as tools to, um, you know, uh, to uh, further uh, enact police brutality to some degree, or at least they're not being used to uh, to quell the situation in a peaceful way. So there are a lot of layers motivating why this is a tricky relationship. So now I want to highlight some excerpts, both from uh, the letter to Ford from the employees, as well as Jim Hackett, who is the CEO, his response also in letter form. So let's start with a big quote from the uh, letter from Ford employees. So here's one small quote. Quote, our resources can and should be diverted to other forms of first response and public safety. Here's a big quote. Quote, throughout our history, the vehicles that Ford employees design and build have been used as accessories to police brutality and oppression. We know that while many join, support, or supply law enforcement with good intentions, these racist policing practices that plague our society are historic and systemic. A history and system perpetuated by Ford for over 70 years, ever since Ford introduced the first ever police package in 1950. As an undeniable part of that history and system, we are long overdue to think and act differently on our role in racism, end quote. So uh, I just thought that was very pointed. You know, they they uh, really communicated the weight of the issue. Um, and you can tell that they really thought about this before sending it off. Uh, doesn't feel like uh, a reactionary response. I mean, <laughs> naturally it is uh, reactive but the reasoning is is broken down and they really try to link this to look this is a this is something that is ingrained in ford's history we think that's a problem we think that should change um now ceo jim hackett responded in a letter to salaried employees uh here's what he said here are some highlights Quote, both Bill Ford and I believe deeply that there is no room for the systemic repression and racism that have been exhibited by law enforcement encounters gone wrong. We've said clearly that Black Lives Matter, and I'm personally driving a review of our diversity and inclusion rituals, practices, and behaviors. We do believe strongly that more transparency and accountability is required in police operations. More quote. We also believe in the first responders that protect us and play an extraordinarily important role in the vitality and safety of our society. Our world wouldn't function without the bravery and dedication of the good police officers who protect and serve. But safety of community must be inclusive of all members today, and it is not. His final points uh, on the topic included some thoughts on discontinuing the police interceptor, uh, which is what Ford was or what Ford employees were calling for in the first place. So he said that uh, the modified Ford Explorer, Explorer, God, the modified Ford Explorer that is the company's most high-profile vehicle, discontinuing this would, quote, be doing harm to police officer safety and making it harder for them to do the job, end quote. So that is, I think, his, his real sentiment on the issue. Uh, he does not want to discontinue this, and he does not want to uh, make any structural shifts in Ford's manufacturing 
and their relationship with uh, the police. Most of what he said was, um, you know, signaling that they believe Black Lives Matter and they want to be part of the solution. However, we cannot discontinue uh, working on these police vehicles. So, Tyler, do you have any initial thoughts on this? We've got some thoughts from Jim Hackett, thoughts from Ford employees, a breakdown of the dynamics uh, for Ford's business. Anything stand out to you that's worth highlighting? So this is this is really interesting um, from a lot of different perspectives, and it I guess it calls into question just where people land on the idea that a a company, you know, a business like Ford, and, and not just Ford, you know, you can you can think of others, provides a product or a service. Are they then responsible for how that product or service is deployed? Right, like obviously Ford has a relationship with local law enforcement. Otherwise, you know, their their cars wouldn't be so widely used in law enforcement. So I think that that's that's pretty clear that there is a relationship there. But even even after you know that that car is delivered, they have this relationship. You know, they they manufacture this car. Like, do you, as a citizen, hold Ford somewhat responsible for the actions then taken using that particular vehicle? Does that make sense? Like, is it, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that that's that's a question to to wrestle with, and it's a question to wrestle with for a lot of different companies and a lot of different areas. Is that you know, th- from their perspective, their their idea is where we are a a car manufacturer. So then if that if that particular car is used to commit acts of violence either by police or, you know, just regular everyday citizens, how much can you hold them accountable for that? And I, I suppose what's what's really being called in the question then is the is the you know, the deals they have worked out, um, the agreements, the arrangements they have worked out with local law enforcement, um, and what exactly that looks like. Um and so I, I you know, without without diving too far into, you know, my personal thoughts and feelings on on the protests and on, you know, the issue of police brutality in this country. I think that that's probably the biggest question to wrestle with and to figure out where exactly people fall in terms of that question. Um, because that to me is, is kind of at the heart of this, right? Yeah. Yeah, it it really is. And I mean, you know, the same conversation can be had for, um, you know, like gun manufacturers around gun violence in the United States. However, when you compare something like a uh, a vehicle versus a gun, uh, there are more uh, utilities for a vehicle than there are a gun. Like a gun exists to shoot. <laughs> a, yeah. a vehicle exists uh, as a transportation device. And, you know, I, I think that creates a little more separation between like Ford and the police. But if you add the dynamic that Ford supplies uh, police cruisers specifically, you know, it's not like they just have repurposed um, uh, SUVs that they schlep off to the police. No, they manufacture police interceptors that are specifically for police and where they they, um, uh, you know, solidify these relationships year over year. That, I think, puts a little more onus on Ford uh, to question their relationship with the police if what they're really wanting to do is curb police violence and police brutality. You know, what does it mean that our vehicles are being used as tools to um, 
you know, further push for police violence, right? Like, or, or just right. to, to enact in, even if you want to uh, bubble it down to its least structural argument, right? These vehicles are being used by bad apples, by individuals as uh, tools to intimidate protesters or to run over protesters. Um, that should at least signal some alarm to Ford, in my opinion, at the very least, some kind of PR move to try to, um, you know, circumvent how that looks to the company. But we're not really even getting that. Really, what we're getting is a, hey, look, we're part of the discussion. We hear you. We listen. Uh, Black Lives Matter. But also, we're not going to change anything about our manufacturing back end. So, you know, what is the analysis we're really asking for from Ford? And I think Ford employees have it right. If we want companies to um, be part of the conversation or be part of the change that we're talking about, that looks like material change. That looks like companies changing business practices, changing business relationships, changing dynamics of the market that affect uh, how they materially intersect with police violence or any other swath of issues that uh, employees might push back uh, against their employer on. Now, I, there are a few other things I want to highlight real quick. Um, you know, the, these national protests aren't the only time we've seen uh, uh, employees from large, uh, popular companies push back over a, a myriad of issues. This is something that is, uh, I mean, I, I don't have any statistics to say this is something that's been increasing year over year. But we've definitely seen a lot of high-profile uh, protests from employees. A couple of them, for example, are Amazon employees protesting COVID policies and um, uh, the state of uh, COVID management within warehouses, lack of PPE, lack of extra pay, right? Those are uh, material concerns that they are protesting against. Google employees protested over uh, partnerships that Google had with technology supplied to Customs and Border Patrol, uh, which uh, you know have been rife with controversy, uh, along with ICE, over how they've treated migrants and the running of migrant detention centers. Also, very material response from Google employees to sever material ties between an institution that the employees saw as problematic and uh, oppressive to some degree. So this is a trend. And I, I think it shows that employees of these large multinational corporations are, you know, maybe more capable at making these uh, connections, these material connections for change than people give them credit for. And that's not saying people are saying, oh, everyone's ignorant. But often, you know, the narrative is, oh, well, uh, we're, you know, we want to paint a mural and we want to move on or we want to, you know, uh, signal boost on social media and then move on. But employees of these companies uh, aren't pleased with just the surface level change, with just the signaling. They want material action. So I wonder if this is going to be a trend that pushes through with these protests against police violence and whether police violence is an issue that will motivate this same level of employee response. And I think it is. And I actually think it could be a trendsetter for um, 
future responses more so than some of the protests we saw at Amazon or Google employees against Customs and Border Patrol, because what we've seen data wise is this Black Lives Matter movement is potentially the biggest movement in the history of the United States, like just by numbers of people participating alone uh, has had some of the biggest turnout um, in in our activist history. Right. So uh, the pressure is definitely on to these multinational corporations to respond um, because I, I don't think people are pleased with just the PR moves and the signal boosting. They want to see more. No. So I, I think, I think the challenge for these companies is that, and I want to be, I want to be careful how I say this, I suppose. I, I believe that there is that police brutality is a problem in, in this country. So if, if we go back specifically to the, the Ford example, for instance, um, and, and maybe even compared to other issues, right? So uh, for, for Amazon, you have companies that say, we're not getting PPE and we're not protected the way that we should be. So we're going to raise this issue. Um, I think that there's a tangible path forward to Amazon doing better with that. Like, okay, we will provide more PPE. Here's a tangible way for us to show you here is how we are trying to protect our employees better. Um, if you're Google, um, you know, uh, that's, that's maybe Google maybe falls into the same category for me as Ford, where you look at it and you say, what, when it comes to the issue of police brutality in this country, what represents progress in a way that would then enable Ford to reenact those agreements that you have with, with law enforcement, right? Are, are there tangible measurements for companies to be able to interact once again, or to re-enter agreements with law enforcement or things like that, that, um, allow them to pick up that, that business that they had. Does that make sense? Like, I think, I think that the hard thing is that, is that a lot of people would agree police brutality is, is an issue in this country and something that we have to work together to stop. And I think that putting pressure on companies like Ford is a, is a good way of moving that forward as you were, as you were discussing, it kind of goes beyond that signal boosting and just the, the, uh, general media attention that it gets and really gets to, um, to tangible, more um, more thought provoking decisions that have to be made by companies that that perhaps you know play a part in enabling this type of behavior. But if I suppose you know what does is what I'm saying make sense? Is there a bar that that police departments would have to meet to then yeah. make it acceptable? Because somebody is going to be manufacturing cars for law enforcement like i i I think that even the most optimistic person when we look at police reform would say and law enforcement reform would say that on some level there will always be police departments i don't think we'll ever get to a point in this country where we don't have law enforcement and i don't think we'll go to a spot where law enforcement are using horses rather than cars so on some level somebody is going to be manufacturing vehicles for law enforcement. So even if there were, you know, large scale overhauls and we saw a reduction in police brutality, how much of a reduction is necessary for it to be okay for a company in the eyes of, of, you know, say the, the people that, that wrote the letter, um, to Ford in the first place. Um, what, what is that bar and what is that barrier? Does that make sense? And yeah. I think that's the challenge for these companies. They, they say, yes, like we want, you know, even, uh, and, and maybe I'm being too optimistic about how, you know, these, these business leaders actually approach this issue. But from my perspective, you know, if I'm an optimistic person, I think that 
I believe that they too would like to see a reduction in police brutality and um, would like to see this problem in the United States gets cur- get curbed in a huge in a huge way. I think that would be amazing. Um, and I, 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 I hope genuinely, genuinely hope that they feel that same way. But I think that the, the hard part for them comes in, okay, how much of a reduction is enough? Is, is, is any, because I, I don't think it's ever going to completely go away. So it's just the, the presence of any police brutality, a disqualifier for having any kind of agreement with law enforcement, or is there a reduction below a certain number? Those are the questions that for business leaders that I think probably keep them up at night to a certain extent. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the, the the truth is I see the push from Ford employees uh, or even, you know, if we look at the Google employees wanting to sever ties with Customs and Border Patrol, I think that mirrors the situation a little more than the uh, Amazon protests. I think we see an abolitionist framework to some degree. Uh, or, or the way people approach uh, uh, arguments for change that center around abolishing institutions and uh, uh, abolishing um, the systems of oppression, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is literally one relationship forward with police departments, but the demand is a holistic one. We want you to stop production of these vehicles and stop the sale of these vehicles, full stop, wholesale. And that is, at least from an argumentative standpoint, I think a good place to start. Because what we've seen is that when it comes to pressuring power structures, if you give a little to start, you say, okay, well, it'd be cool if you could cut by like 70% or like, hey, could you cut down by 50%? The pressure is not as high. And they can then make further concessions to say, okay, well, we'll cut by 10%. So to some degree, I wonder if Ford employees think that there is a real possibility of Ford um, ending the production of these vehicles. I think I I agree to to a certain extent that, um, you know, whatever law enforcement looks like in the future will need some kind of like transportation vehicle um, and someone will have to manufacture that. However, uh, does it have to be the kind of uh, hyper robocopped version of the police interceptor we see today? Is all the technology on there necessary technology? Um, does the investment have to be made into specifically police cruisers? Uh, can there be uh, a readjustment of resources that uh, repurposes already existing SUVs with just like a decal or something on the side, right? Um, like I, I think those will probably be the strategic conversations that come out of this if there is any change at all. Uh, but I think what you're seeing is that these companies don't really want to make that change at all. Ford really does not want to stop production of the police interceptor. They right. are the leading manufacturer. They have a... a uh, you know, a lead in this side of the market and they don't want to give that up, especially because to some degree they, they are, are proud of this relationship. So, uh, with that in mind, I, I think the conversation about like, well, where is the threshold that they would be okay with returning to this relationship? 
while I agree that it's a conversation we should be having, it also feels like slightly premature because the companies that are being pressured don't want to respond at all. So uh, it's like, you know, would they respond more if the demands were weaker? I think they would respond less. I think they would be less inclined to say anything. They would just be like, oh, you know, uh, that's not really going to make much of a change, whatever. I, I think the, the the broader structural demands of let's remove ourselves from this or let's let's uh, end the production wholesale, full stop, uh, drives the conversation and actually puts pressure for there to be change, even if that doesn't end up being the final outcome. Uh, so I, I think it is strategically the right move but i i agree with you that like when you start looking at what it looks like in practice what would happen if ford stopped creating these police cruisers would you know I don't, would bmw pick it up would would toyota pick it up like you know i who who knows would would chevy pick it up like i i who knows uh and and that's the conversation that uh would need to be had and probably the conversation that ford executives are having because for them, the question is not how can we make the most moral decision, uh, you know, and this is not to just like relentlessly dunk on uh, Ford executives, but I'm just being realistic. Like the executives of these companies are not spending every day deciding how is our Ford Cruiser um, or you know, how is our police interceptor being used in a morally righteous way? Like that's not a conversation they're having with themselves, especially if they are are uh proud of their relationship with the police um there is it's not a relationship that they are critiquing so for for us to get them to critique that relationship for ford employees to get them to critique that relationship i think the demands have to be strong enough to turn their heads and force their hand um and that's why i see it as strategically like a, a smart move for them if what they want is change um However, I don't think that necessarily means we're going to get Ford removed from this because they're looking at this as, okay, well, if we jump ship, you know, Toyota is going to start producing all of these and then they're going to have a giant market share here. You know, why would we give up all that money? Why would we give up billions of dollars and clout in this industry uh, to our competitor? Um, and that's always going to be the motivating factor in in this economic system that, you know, that that's just how it is. Well, uh, and, and I, I don't think you can view it just in isolation of, Oh, we lose this amount of money that we typically get from law enforcement and, you know, Dodge Ram picks it up, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I it's cause it's not just that and Ford's best selling vehicle and actually the best selling vehicle in the entire country is the Ford F series. So the Ford trucks. And I think that, if you were to ask a good number of people um, if Ford were if Ford were to make a decision that went against law enforcement, I think there is what I mean probably roughly half of the country that would look at that and say, "Okay, Ford lost my business as a result of that because uh, it, right because this is a divisive issue, and so I think Ford when you when it comes to making a statement regarding law enforcement it's not just the isolated loss of revenue from law enforcement that they're considering it's probably also a huge public backlash um against them from people who feel very strongly about the role of law, law enforcement in our society and don't view police brutality maybe in the same way that you and i do 
Yeah, right, right. And that's that's the core of the issue is that it is a total perception shift uh, and a gap on this issue. Um, you know, just because they demand that that they want production to cease because of police violence and police brutality. The truth is uh, there are many people in this country that don't even see that as an issue. They they don't think that there is a police violence or police brutality issue at all. Or if there is, that it is a sort of a, a necessary consequence of just like that's how society is. And a, there's nothing that Ford can do about it. And, um, you know, h- how do you foster conversation around those issues in a productive way? Uh, you know, is is putting pressure for change the way to open that dialogue? Uh, I think that is another question that we should be asking ourselves. And, uh, you know, if you're an employee out there of a company that has a relationship that you don't approve of, what are the avenues for you to express that concern? And will those concerns be met at all? Uh, you know, is there any lever of power that can be pulled for, uh, you know, employee groups to put pressure on their employer if they have a toxic relationship with um, a, a country or an industry that uh, is is producing violence to some degree? Um, I would say there really aren't a lot of those levers of power right now. Mm-hmm. And that that's why you get, you know, letters and trying to put this into discourse in the uh, public sphere, because there really isn't like an uh, uh, economic structure other than unions, which are uh, dwindlingly small in the United States for putting pressure on your employer. Last thing I want to mention before we close this out, because we've been we've been going on this one for a while, but it's just it's it's a thought provoking topic. Um, Ford has mentioned before that its overall lineup of cars, like our, our consumer vehicles we purchase from Ford, benefit from their relationship with police hmm. because there are new technologies that get tested in police cruisers first. For example, um, a hybrid electric drivetrain that was tested in the police cruisers that made its way to consumer vehicles uh, that was supposed to um, improve uh, engine optimization. So, you know, I, I think that also raises the question, uh, a huge part of the conversation around these police uh, protests has been defunding the police, or at least an analysis that... Uh, uh, budgets for police departments city to city are really, really high when you compare them to other social services. And that money uh, is being spent on equipment. And uh, a lot of that equipment is quite literally military grade leftover equipment, but in other senses is military esque and is, uh, you know, hyper militarized, at least in aesthetic and function, if not quite literally coming from like excess supplies from the United States military. Right. So when you have that same sort of tech motivating factor that uh, Ford is proud of that, hey, well, actually, the technology we get to test for police tech makes its way into your consumer vehicle. And that's good. Uh you know, that seems to highlight to me that there is a, a certain level of, of the broader uh, militarization of police that is uh, motivating this relationship. And I just wanted to highlight that because I think uh, that is another critique that wasn't, um, well, at least from what I saw, I, I didn't read the entire letter, but from what I saw, it wasn't one that was super highlighted um, by the Ford employees. And it's probably one that you know, can can further give some insights on 
if we want to change these relationships, we need to be able to analyze all the different motivating factors that uh, are used to sort of assert the uh, normalcy and place of these relationships in our society. And one of them is the tech argument and often how um, the militarization of different institutions and honestly, just the military in general uh, motivate technological innovation and how that is one of the um, the uh, uh, strongest variables for change. So if, if that variable is impacting a transnational corporation like Ford, um, you know, is there any room to uh, push back on that plane, basically, is, is what I wanted to toss out here as we close out this segment. It's it's an interesting piece of the puzzle to think about. And, uh, you know, I think I think it communicates that um, this isn't as cookie cutter as just stop um, stop production of the car. Mm-hmm. And I think that's to your point, because there are so many variables influencing the production in the first place from, well, you know, this uh, this is a realm for us to test things for our consumer vehicles uh, to, you know, I'm sure the police uh, are uh, vocally in favor of Ford, you know, testing technologies on their vehicles and they have the money to shell out to purchase more expensive tech ridden vehicles in the first place. So it's sort of a positive feedback loop. And um, I think the conversation is if we want change, where do we, uh, you know, stick the pin in the process? Where is it actually useful to break up that relationship uh, or, or most effective? Uh, and, you know, does Ford even see that as a, a problematic relationship in the first place? I'd say they don't. Uh, and, I think the question here is, should they? So I think that's where I'll leave it. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries. 